Blog Talk Radio. episode, a very special episode, a little different. Uh, we're going to be doing a kind of a retrospective, a, a study, if you will, uh, just a look back, a look forward uh, into the WWE Championship that just turned 50 years old. So that is the theme of this evening, the WWE Championship, 50 years of the WWE Championship. So you're calling in tonight, 347-838-9815. That's what we're talking about. Your favorite champions, your least favorite champions, your favorite championship matches. That's what tonight is all about. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. We're over there on Facebook each and every Monday night. We have a raw chat going on over there. Twitter, at The Ken Reedy Show. And our website, thekenreedyshow.com. Coming up this month now, May 31st. The Ken Reed Show sponsors Tap Out Cancer. Come on down to the Pepper Mill South, Congress, New York. We're going to have the TVs on. We're going to be watching SmackDown. We're going to be watching NWA on fire. We're going to be hanging out, watching wrestling, talking wrestling, just wrestling fans getting together, hanging out. Dave LaGreca from Busted Open said he's going to pop by. You may know him as Nunzio, you may know him as Little Guido, but he's going to be popping by, just hanging out. It's just going to be a fun night to hang out and be a wrestling fan. But the cool thing is that 20% of all food and drink sales that night is going to go to the American Cancer Society Relay for Life of Rockland County. We are also going to have some autographed memorabilia to be auctioning off. We have to thank Lucky13, M&J Collectibles, and Jordan Thomas for the stuff they have donated so far. And if you're a promoter or anyone out there that's got some memorabilia you'd like to donate, uh, shoot me a message. We'll take anything and everything, and we're going to have a lot, lots of raffles going on that night. All proceeds raised from the raffles will go to the Relay for Life uh, for the American Cancer Society. So uh, be sure to check that out. Check out the event on Facebook and uh, some logistical stuff. Just so you know, this Tuesday, we're we're taking a day off. You know, we're just taking a day off. Still uh Ironing out all the stuff uh, with Ironbound, getting stuff squared away. So uh, we're going to get stuff squared away. We're still going to do the show on Tuesdays. Uh, we're just not going to be on Ironbound for uh, the next couple weeks. Uh, 
But this is Tuesday. We're just going to take a day off. So we won't be on on Tuesday. And next week is Mother's Day. So we're going to be starting a little late next week. We're going to start the show at 8 p.m. Uh, so go hang out. Have dinner. See your mom. Have a good day with mom. And then come on down here late night for the com for the best in pro wrestling talk. But a little excited tonight. Talk WWE Championship 50 years. The good, the bad, the ugly. And uh, as always, a tag team partner on the line. Dave, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. I'm really looking forward to tonight's show. It's uh, It should be a really good one. I'm looking forward to what the, what the, uh, the callers are going to bring as well. So uh, let's do this. Yeah, it, it's amazing. I mean, it's interesting looking back. Um, you know, there have been times throughout history uh, with the WWE Championship, uh, you know, level of prestige in the business. Um, you know, it's interesting that, you know, the NWA World Heavyweight title definitely has uh, more more history, more longevity at least. Um, but at least right now uh, in the business, uh, the most prestigious title uh, would be the WWE Championship. I don't think there's any debating that uh, right now. Um, you know, interesting enough, even in the WWE, I think a few years back, you could debate uh, whether the world title or the WWE title uh, was the most prestigious in the company. I don't think that is even up for debate anymore. It is clear that the WWE Championship is the most prestigious title in the business right now. And you know, as a performer... Uh, you've made it. As a wrestler, you have made it uh, if you are holding that WWE championship. And all of us as fans, you know, we all go back. We all have our, our favorite champions. We all have guys we grew up with, uh, you know, especially as, as a kid before you know all the ins and outs of professional wrestling and, uh, you know, what goes on and you become become a smarter fan, uh, you know, that the guy who has the championship is a really big deal when when you're a kid. I mean that's that's the best of the best, and uh, they, they they're the king of the mountain. They beat everyone they needed to beat to get up there, and you know we all have a fondness of the first guy that we saw with the WWE or WWF or perhaps even WWF title. Uh, we look back in, in history, uh, Dave. When you when you look back as a fan and, and growing up with uh, wrestling. Becoming a wrestling fan. What are your earliest memories of the WW, I guess WWF, uh, World Heavyweight Championship? My earliest memory of the WWF Championship is the is the image of Hulk Hogan raising the title after he defeated the Iron Sheik in uh, in Madison Square Garden. Um, that's how I was introduced to wrestling. Not particularly that match, but um, watching Hulk Hogan. Um, and seeing Hulk Hogan in wrestling, and uh, you know that was the first figure that I that I saw in wrestling that you know drew me to watching wrestling. And uh, of course, you know my that first image is of when you know Hogan carries the title, and um, and that's where I that's where it started for me with um, with wrestling in general, and of course the the, the WWF now the WWE. Um, so that's where I see it. And of course, I've gone back and watched older stuff in years, you know, of you know, a guy who basically put the put you know made the title what it is you know today. Bruno San Martino and superstar Billy Graham and guys like Bob Backlund and so. Um, but Hogan's the first guy for me, um, and that's what I grew up on. And that was you know at the time as a child, 
that was the you know the standard bearer, the end all be all of what the WWF champion was supposed to be. Yeah, and it's funny because uh, you know I'm a little older than you, but for me it, it, it's it's Hogan as well. Um, and it's interesting because I remember you know being drawn into wrestling, uh, watching Jimmy Snuka and, and Don Morocco, um, and you know and seeing it was interesting that seeing uh, Rocky three and that was the first time I saw Hogan, and then knowing that he he it was one of those things where I saw him and then it's like, he wasn't the champ. He's like, wait, that guy's not the champ. How is he not the champ? And when he won the belt and again, it's all that, that image of, of what the title means. And, you know, kayfabe was, was closely guarded years ago and it was, it was a different time. And when Hogan won that title, I mean, and look, was, whether it was real, whether he was acting, whether it was a combination of both, uh, you know, tears in his eyes, uh, as uh, they say. And, uh, you know, it had that, that just moment, that, that, that feel of a great sports moment uh, of him winning the title. And it, it did kind of have that feel of, of you're witnessing something great. And that was kind of the thing that that kind of etched it. And it was it was not only you know the title and this larger than life figure winning the title, but you know the Iron Sheik, uh, tremendous heel, uh, the the ultimate of bad guys. And in that time period, uh, you know, being from Iran and uh, you know saying uh, you know the United States is is bad and Iran uh, is number one. I mean. You know, he was just the ultimate heel, and for this uh, larger-than-life blonde uh, gladiator to come in and just take the title from him, um, it was just a really cool moment. And that was that was my first. That was really like the first. And and same with you. You go back and you look at you know history, and you you see guys. You can see guys even going back. I mean, I'm I'm always amazed when I look at the history of the championship. And even the history of the business. And when you look at a guy like a superstar Billy Graham, and I, I'm, I'm really intrigued when I, I look back on, on his career and his championship and what, what he did in the business because it is amazing. I mean, I would love to someone who, who actually had more time on their hands than I do and uh, knew maybe a little bit more about history. If they could, like, actually draw – a family tree with with Billy Graham at the top, and, and put out all the the individuals and, and and characters that he's influenced over the years. I mean, I, I've always found that you know as I've become more of a wrestling historian, going back and looking at some of Billy Graham's stuff and how yeah he influenced Hulk Hogan. He influenced a lot of the champs that came uh, after up until you know looking at even uh, Triple H and and a lot of these guys uh, the style the character. Uh, the physique, uh, he influenced a lot. And he's one of those guys when, even though he wasn't the first memory that I have, I, I really enjoyed going back and watching uh, some of Billy Graham's old stuff. Is there anyone for you, Dave, that you like? You really like enjoying uh, going back and watching? Um, from from a time before me? Yeah, or anybody. Anyone you like going back and watching? Um. I mean, I do like watching Billy Graham stuff. Um, I know he never held the the, uh, the the WWE 
WWE championship, but or the WWF championship. But um, I like watching I like watching Dusty and Dusty's old stuff. Um, and you know, you know, a lot of a lot of folks really don't know this. You know, some of the younger folks, but Dusty actually worked for Vince McMahon at one time, Vince McMahon Senior, and had a classic rivalry with Superstar Billy Graham. They had a three match series that sold out Madison Square Garden all three nights. Um, over the course of a few months, and they had um, their finale was a Texas bull rope match in Madison Square Garden. And at that time, you know, Texas bull rope matches were seen in Texas or down south, and you didn't see that up north. And uh, you know, Billy Graham and Dusty Rhodes both put on um, a sports entertainment classic, if you will. You know, a lot, a lot back then it was, you know. Hold for hold when it came to wrestling, but these guys entertained 20,000 people inside Madison Square Garden um, and definitely broke the mold for what, you know, sports entertainment has eventually become to today. Um, so I do like to watch a lot of, watch a lot of excuse me, watch a lot of Dusty Rhodes um, footage um, and, you know, his matches with Superstar Billy Graham and, of course, you know, his stuff with the Horsemen. But, um that's uh, you know, that that's probably the guy right there that I could sit back and watch and, and you know, be you know, every emotion could be evoked out of me. It, you know, I could be entertained, I could be, you know, angry, I could be happy, I could be you know, he he ran the gamut of uh, you know, all evoking all the emotions out of the audience, um, because he was such a charismatic and colorful figure. The one thing I, I really miss and when we look back on and, and you know, talk about our earliest memories and, and what the title meant. And, you know, when Hulk Hogan had the title, uh, and because he had such a long run, and, and Bruno San Martino is before my time, and, and I understand, you know, his his run uh, with the championship. I mean, amazing, a, a record that will never be uh, broken. But for, you know, us growing up, I mean, he had the title for like four years. And you just kind of grew accustomed that, that Hulk Hogan was – the best in the world. I mean, he was the guy. He was the WWE champion, WWF champion. He was the the, the guy that would would vanquish every evil. And the you know, as you get older as a fan, you you, you start to recognize the business and and what happens and how things operate. The one thing I do miss is as a fan is that sense of loss. And when we look back, when Hogan lost, you know, after beating him at at a WrestleMania three, we're talking Andre the Giant, another tremendous uh, historical figure in professional wrestling, um, and one of the biggest, greatest, uh, maybe not move for move, but as far as uh, stature, one of the biggest championship matches in history, if not the biggest, uh, at WrestleMania three. You know, and Hogan goes over on Andre. Uh, you know, and that was the ultimate foe, one of the the biggest turns in history uh, when Andre turned on Hogan. And when Andre finally beat Hogan uh, with the uh, how much for the plastic surgery on Saturday night's main event, uh, it was it was somewhat devastating. It was uh, there was a sense of how did that just happen? That couldn't have just happened. How is how is Hulk Hogan uh, not the champion? And it, it was a, a time period where you know in the eighties, you know Jack Tunney comes out and makes his special announcement that. You know, nobody has the championship right now. Uh, obviously, Andre tried to give it to Ted DiBiase, and, uh, you know, you can't do that. So nobody had the championship. 
setting up a big tournament for WrestleMania 4. Um, it was an interesting time period for wrestling. No champion for a chunk of time. Uh, but you really, back in the day, you had more of a sense of loss. And even going back, I'm sure some of our older fans would say, you know, going back when Bruno lost the belt, there, there was a sense of loss when someone had, you know, someone lost the championship. That I don't know if you get anymore or as much of nowadays. Um, but... Dave, you know, growing up and, and Andre Andre finally beating Hogan, uh, you know, you really had that, oh, my God, Hogan's not the champ anymore. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting you brought up a point about, you know, the um, about being accustomed to Hogan having the title for four years. And looking back on it now, you know, wrestling wasn't where, you know, you didn't see Hulk Hogan on television every week, you know, defending the title. Um, you saw him, you know, maybe once every couple of months, a pay-per-view special live event like Saturday night's main event, or if you went out and actually bought a ticket and went to a show. Um, so the four, it didn't really feel like four years with him with the title because you probably saw him on television a handful of times each year. So it, it, to, as, a, as a young fan, that's how at least I looked at it at the time. Um, but, you know, it, 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 a great point you bring up about with um, Hogan and Andre, you know, when I was a kid, when I watched that match, um, and, you know, to this day, it is still the highest-rated wrestling match on television that had over 35 million viewers watch wrestling. Now, back then, in, in 1988, to have 35 million people glued to the television if it wasn't the Super Bowl is, is unheard of. Um, but to have you know that match taking place and you know the finish and the re the referees with the, the you know the twin referees the Hebners and then Andre hands the belt over to DiBiase. I mean I was angry and upset as a Hulkamaniac, and I didn't feel there was an end like oh no this is the end of Hulk Hogan. I I thought to myself there's no way that on film that they're like you know it's right in front of everybody's faces. Like I even said to my I I think I said this to my father or my grandfather. I said get me the phone number to the the, the WWF office and they could see that the video shows that there was a, a referee switch and he can't hand the belt to DBS. I knew something was going to happen eventually as a young child where, you know, Hogan was going to get his shot back at the title. You know, that, that, that this decision wasn't going to stand. Um, I felt more of a sense of loss when Hogan lost to the Ultimate Warrior. Number one, because I was not an Ultimate Warrior fan, and especially when he handed the title over to him and, and, and he just walked off. And, you know, I was so used to seeing whether Hogan won or lost, or he was posing in the ring and he was closing every WrestleMania with the people going crazy, and I didn't see that. And I just saw him leaving dejected, and the Warrior was taking his spot, you know, in the, in the limelight. And I thought maybe this is the end of Hulkamania or Hulk Hogan as, as the, the, the champion. You know, maybe he'll never get a shot at the belt ever again. I, I, at one point, you know, thought to myself, well, Warrior had two belts. He's not supposed to have two titles. So why don't the Warrior give Hogan the Intercontinental belt? <laughs> and it makes sense because the belt was yellow at the time. Hogan wears red and yellow. It would be perfect for him. You know, he gets a consolation prize. As a kid, I at least thought that. But. That's where I felt the more sense of loss with Hogan and Warrior because you really saw, you know, a story unfold right in front of your eyes at the end of that match when he handed him the title, raised his hand, and walked out and looked dejected as he was leaving. And you really thought, okay, this is the end. Like, this is it for Hulk Hogan. And I remember my father saying, well, he might not come back. He might make movies. He had that one movie, and he might do another movie. You know? And I was 
I was pretty broken up about it at a very young age. So that's where I saw the sense of loss when I came to Hogan in the title. Yeah, I mean that that was devastating. And again, it was just in that time period. It just you, you did have that sense of loss as as a fan. You know, when he lost, it was it was kind of devastating, which uh, you know you don't really have as as much anymore. Interesting, you know, talking about these title runs. You know, when you when you look back at Hulk Hogan's run and uh, tremendous, you know, career, tremendous championship run, a tremendous star in uh, the WWE slash WWF. Um, Interestingly enough, when you look at, you know, when Andre beat him, uh, obviously Andre, mega, mega superstar. A guy right now, honestly, that when people start throwing around best of all time and that, you know, Andre doesn't get enough love. But Andre was was such a superstar just before things really blew up. Um, But, you know, kind of a crappy title run. Uh, shortest in history. I think it's it's credited with being uh, 30 seconds long, give or take. Uh, and honestly, the Warrior does not have uh, the best title run. So, you know, as much as this is the most prestigious prize in wrestling, uh, you know, we've had guys over the years have some pretty bad runs uh, with that championship. I mean, the Ultimate Warrior, when you read Hulk Hogan's biography, the Warrior was the guy that was going to be the era parenting. You say as a kid, you, you're you're watching Hulk Hogan walk away. Uh, you know, you read a lot of the stuff that Hulk Hogan, for all intents and purposes, was going to walk away. That that may have actually been it for him. Uh, turns out the whole thing doesn't work out really well with the Warrior. Does not have the best uh, run with the championship. Winds up dropping the belt to Sergeant Slaughter, and they're bringing Hogan back into the the fold. Uh, Interesting. You have to look at those two guys who, who beat Hogan for the title. Uh, maybe two of the worst uh, runs as, as WWE champion. You look at uh, maybe bad runs as champion. Well, yeah, of course. Andre's run was it didn't really exist because the minute he grabbed the belt, he raised it up in his arms and then he handed it over to DiBiase. Um, that's that. You know, like you said, thirty seconds. That's got to be the number one worst title run in history. There's other. Others that come to mind, not necessarily in length, but in just in terms of, you know, presentation, like Yokozuna, for instance, won the title at WrestleMania 9. Then a minute and a half, two minutes later, he lost the title to Hulk Hogan. That was probably the first time something like that was ever done. Um, you, can, you can refer back to, to Diesel. Diesel was, Diesel was the, the, uh, the, you know, the WWF champion all through most of ni- late 1994 into most of 1995. And, his run, with the exception of maybe a couple of matches with Shawn Michaels and, and Bret Hart, everything else in his run was very forgettable. They were putting him in there with, you know, uh, Davey Boy Smith and Yokozuna and Jeff Jarrett and Sid and just guys and King Mabel and Tatanka. I mean, they just put him up there against guys that, like, just didn't really complement his style too well. Um, others that come to mind, a lot of people might, you know, disagree with me on this, but... Two out of the three WWE championship runs that The Undertaker had had been relatively short. His first one when he beat Hulk Hogan in 1991 was only a week. And then his third run, or is it, yeah, his third run as a champion in 1999, he only had the title for a month. So um, there there are many names that come to mind. I mean, Vince McMahon held the title at one point, I think, for a week in the, in the fall of 1999. Um 
you know, Mick Foley had some relatively short runs. The Rock did too. Um, even The Rock's most recent run as the WWE champion was short. It was only, you know, just shy under four months. So you you, you look back and, you know, you see the names and you'll say to myself, oh, they were great champions, but you got to really look at the – you got to really look at the facts and and the and the and the story at the time and just and and kind of go back into history and say, well, it really wasn't that good. Um, you know, like Bret Hart, for instance, had one. I think he had one bad run, and that was towards the end of '95, going into his title match with Shawn in '96, because he was just basically a placeholder until they decided to give the belt to Shawn Michaels. So those are just a few that come to mind for me. It's interesting because you you look back and you do have these the championship runs that weren't great, but you do realize that they're all great names. Like all the names that are on there, aside as far as a wrestler goes. I mean, maybe aside from Vince, um, they're all greats. Uh, you know, just some of them didn't have uh, the the best run with with the title. Uh, it's a shame. You know, you look back on Andre. Uh, you know, if he could have had, like, a substantial run with the belt, uh, you know, only 30 seconds. And you look at, you know, that moment when he relinquished the championship to Ted DiBiase. Um, one of the interesting things when you look at this this title belt and the eras and how things have changed over the years, you know, there were more frequent changes as as time has gone on. Uh, the championship has gained a little more consistency as of late with CM Punk having a the longest run in 25 years with the championship. Um, but going back, uh, the title was so prestigious, and a lot of greats, greats, did not have a chance to win the WWF, whatever, whatever championship it was, championship. Uh, you know, looking back, you know, Ted DiBiase, one of those guys that, you know, perhaps in a different era, he would have had a run with the WWE championship. Uh a lot of guys growing up in that era, when you look back on guys like Paul Orndorff or Roddy Piper, uh, guys that, you know, maybe could have or should have had a run with the WWE Championship. Uh, you know, we've talked about it before on this show, but an underrated heel turn and uh, an underrated storyline, an underrated program, uh, Hogan and Mr. Wonderful, uh, tremendous program those two guys ran. You know, a, a different era, a different time period. Maybe a different champion. Maybe it's not Hulk Hogan in, in that time period. Uh, you know, maybe at some point you wind up seeing Orndorff go over and have a a run. But there, you know, when you look back in time, Dave, there's there's really some great, some absolute, unequivocal greats in the business that were in the WWE or WWF that didn't get their hands on that title. Yeah, another name that comes to mind that you didn't mention, uh, Ravishing Rick Rude. Um, Ravishing Rick Rude held the Intercontinental title on multiple occasions, but Rick Rude was a heat magnet. I mean, you you see in the story, you know, his, probably his most famous, you know, angle storyline that he had was with Jake the Snake Roberts, where he was trying to court Jake Roberts' wife, Cheryl. Imagine Rick Rude having the WWE title and, you know, the heat that he drew. Every guy hated him because they were jealous of his look and that he, he got the attention of all the good-looking women. Imagine more heat on him as the champion amongst males in the audience, you know, seeing that he's the guy that's got the belt, he's the king of the mountain, and all the women are, you know, you know, fawning over him. I mean, it would have been tremendous. And the matches that he would have had, you know, with guys like 
Randy Savage or, or Hulk Hogan or, you know, he's had some good you know matches against the Ultimate Warrior, but just a few names that come to mind. You know, you brought up Ted DiBiase. Ted DiBiase, you know, he was at that time the ultimate heel. He was rich and he flaunted it, and he tried to buy the World Wrestling Federation Championship. Imagine if he won the World Wrestling Federation Championship and he would buy his victories with, with the referees. And, you know, I mean, he, he technically bought a victory for Andre in that match on Saturday night's main event. But imagine the run he could have had with Randy Savage, Hulk Hogan, you know, with the Ultimate Warrior. I mean, the list goes on and on. A guy that he could have had six months to a year of just everybody chasing him for the title. And in more ways than one, he could have escaped whether he bought a referee off or he paid, you know, somebody from the back to help him win the title or if he just cheated. I mean, there's so many, there's so many options they could have gone with at the time, but it just, it, for whatever reason, they decided not to. And I think another th- reason why DiBiase didn't get the title was because he was so over and that what kind of pigeon held him from actually being the WWE champion, I think was when they did the storyline where he created his own championship belt, the million dollar title. And at the end of the day, you're you're the million dollar man. You can have anything you want. You had a championship made for you. Why would you want to fight for a title when you own a title that you have paid for with all your millions of dollars? I think I think that in, in the grand scheme of things, looking back on it, maybe that hurt Ted DiBiase, you know, or hurt the company from putting the the, the WWF championship on him. It's a really good point. I mean, and. and... Don't get me wrong. I mean that that championship belt. If I could own a replica belt, that million dollar belt was sweet. Um, but yeah, you know, does it like what's the point? He he, yeah, his character almost got to the point where it was he was above the championship. So why why get your hands dirty going after? It? But I agree with you. I mean, there's so many things they could have done with him. And you know, once you have the belt with all the rules in place. You know, the championship can't change hands over on a countout. You know, he can't change hands on a disqualification. Uh, he could have been just a, a Weasley champion that, uh, you know, just found ways to, to hold on to the belt, and, and he could have carried it. Uh, you know, definitely could have had a, a real decent run. Uh, Rick Root, another good point, a guy who was tremendous with uh, bringing on the heat. Uh, you know, like Roddy Piper was a guy that uh, – you know, who knows? I mean, that guy was tremendous as a face and a heel, what that guy could have done uh, with the WWE Championship. So it's, it's pretty amazing. And and the thing is, like, years ago wasn't, you know, you, it didn't change hands as much as possible. So you just, you kind of, you know, you had to build your own character and, and you just, you, you had to get over on your own. It's like times changed and you, you became, you know, at times, I think the criticism is that the, the championship became uh, more of a prop at times. Uh, but when you look back in time, there are a lot of greats, absolute greats, that weren't able to have the the title. And uh, you know, speaking of greats, you know, one of we got to this past WrestleMania weekend, we got to go to uh, PWS, the, one of their super shows, on the Thursday before WrestleMania weekend, and a tremendous show. And and you know. Sticking with the theme, we're going to talk a little PWS, but we're also, you know, they they have, if you ever want to, you know, check them out at ProWrestlingSyndicate.com because they, they always get, like, the best guys. And as we're talking about the WWE Championship and history, I mean, we went to the Super Show, 
we got to shake hands and kind of talk to superstar Billy Graham for a little bit. Uh, the Iron Sheik was there. So you never know what kind of history is going to be at a PWS show, as well as uh, the in-ring action. And right now we do have Eric Tapout from PWS on the line. Eric, are you there? Hey, what's going on, guys? How are you? Doing all right. How are you doing tonight? Doing good, man. Doing good. Well, before I get into, you know, let's let's get like the, I guess, the controversy or the negativity out of the way. Uh, you kind of been put in a bind as of late. Uh, some stuff happened with uh, Matuchin. Uh could you give us just a little insight of what exactly happened with uh, you guys and, and the town of Metuchen, New Jersey? Sure. Uh, Pro Wrestling Syndicate was running steady in Rahway, New Jersey. And after Hurricane Sandy destroyed that building, we needed a new home to kind of relocate to. And we came to uh, find a building in Metuchen, a sportsplex, very nice, big facility. And we ran a couple shows there. We opened a wrestling school out of there. And... Some other promoter uh, thought it would be fun to call fire marshals and zoning officers and, you know, various townspeople to come to our supercar double shot during WrestleMania weekend, which night one had about 1,200 people and night two was 1,600 and change, a lot of people there. And, you know, these guys all came. They couldn't find anything wrong. I mean, we were, everything was up to fire code and we had, you know, security, we had EMTs, we had police, everything was you know, done properly, you know, we pay our taxes, we pay our New Jersey entertainment tax, we have our registered tax ID, they, they could find nothing wrong whatsoever. Um, then they started putting heat on the building and basically said, well, the sportsplex should not be allowed to run MMA or pro wrestling events because they fall more under the category of entertainment as opposed to a live sporting event, which is open to debate, um, and they turned around and said, well, if you guys are going to continue to run here, you're going to need a special permit. Now, what this permit is or what it permits us uh, to really do and who's issuing it was very, very unclear. However, they said, hey, look, you know, to get the permit, you need a $10,000 bond and you need to make a couple alterations for your liability policy for the insurance. We said, all right, no problem. We went ahead and put the papers in. An MMA company that also used to run in Rahway that also relocated to Matunchen went ahead and did it too. And then when permits were presented, we were all told, oh, sorry, even with the permit, we're not going to let it pass. So it's not, it wasn't the building. It was random people from the town um, not really understanding how a town can uh, regulate what a you know, private business does. I mean, that's a little silly. I mean, if I wanted to rent the sportsplex and have a birthday party there, which people do, you know, it's not a sporting event. That would, you know, fall under the realm of entertainment, you know. So, I don't know. It's just, you know, people um, people needed something to complain about, you know, because we, we couldn't have a PWS event without at least one problem. So, <laughs> that, was, that was one problem. You know, 1,600 people are there one night, 1,200 another. So, you know, 2,800 people having a good time. And uh, no problems, no injuries, all talents there, you know, no no-shows. Uh, but apparently the town has a problem. So um, it's not a big deal. I mean, for us, I mean, we just scrambled a little bit and, you know, relocated to different venues and possibly better venues, you know. We'll see what happens moving forward. Well, for us, it's just another, another day in the life of PWS. You know, we can't complain about being bored or having dull days. I mean, so that's a good thing. 
Yeah, that's a shame because I mean, you know, we were there the Thursday night, and and I've been to shows before, and you guys always uh, run a, a kick-ass event, and and you know, you always you always get your money's worth when you go to a PWS show. Um, I, you know, one of the things I've always kind of appreciated with PWS is, you know, you run shows almost like how a fan would want a show to to be. You know, you have you have young talent, you have up-and-comers, you have legends, uh, you, you kind of run the gambit, you know, as an opportunity to meet stars, there's there's memorabilia to purchase, I mean, it's it's always, it's just an event to go to a PWS show, uh, making the assumption that this comes from, uh, you're obviously a fan uh, at heart of uh, professional wrestling, and, and this being a show where we're showcasing the history of the WWE Championship, uh, Growing up, like, how did you get hooked on wrestling? What what brought you in, and, and was there a guy, was there a specific a champion that really kind of grabbed you and, and uh, got you in, into being a fan of professional wrestling? Uh, for me, growing up, I, I, was, I might be uh, an outcast when I say this. I was the kid that grew up watching wrestling. I'm 32. I started watching wrestling when I was, like, 5, 6. But I got into wrestling via world-class championship wrestling, which used to come on where I live in Westchester County, New York, on ESPN. And it was on right before Different Strokes. And uh, that, that's what I would watch when I would come home from school. You know, so I, I grew up watching the great Kabuki and Bruiser Brody and the Von Erichs and the Freebirds. That's what I grew up with. And from there, I got into the AWA, which was also on TV here at the time. And then I, you know, quote-unquote discovered uh, WWE. Um, I had gone to my first uh, live wrestling show, which was the WWE show in 1988, I'll always remember the opening match was uh, S.D. Jones against Iron Mike Sharp in 20 minutes of my life. I'll never get back again. <laughs> and um, be honest. And uh, I remember from there, I mean, I remember going, I'm not like crapping on the WWE's product at all, but I remember as a fan when I was eight um, being at a live show, and I, the main event was uh, Junkyard Dog and One Man Gang. I remember thinking, like, wow, like, the other wrestling I see on TV is, like, better than this. Like, I, that's more appealing to me. I shouldn't say better. It's more appealing to me. And um, I remember I was very big with, like, the old school, like, the, the Bill After magazines. And just, you know, because back then there was no Internet, you know. And uh, my parents were not letting me call 900 numbers. So it was reading these, you know, wrestling magazines to find out about the world of wrestling outside of what's being, you know, fed to you on TV. And I remember I went to my first indie show when I was eight. It was later in uh yeah, 1988 was my first independent show. Um, yeah, so, I mean, growing up, I mean, Bruce Brody was one of my favorites. Uh, Dynamite Kid was one of my favorites growing up. In terms of uh, WWE champions, um, me personally, I mean, if um, let's pretend um, let's pretend that we just won Powerball and we're going to open a brand-new wrestling company and the, the free agent pool is every wrestler that ever lived, everyone from George Hackenschmidt to Frank Gosh, Carl Gosh, everyone's available. First guy I would sign personally, Andre the Giant. Andre the Giant, to me, was a uh, superstar, was, uh, exemplified everything a champion should be, and uh, just had that, like, above and beyond that eighth quality. He was intriguing on so many levels. So, uh, my favorite WWE champion, Andre the Giant. Wow. Was there any, is there any legend that you've met? Uh, you know, again, you have a tremendous number of legends uh, come through the doors of these PWS shows uh, that you were kind of starstruck and in awe and being in their company? Um, I, I don't know if I would say starstruck. I was definitely very excited to meet uh, Great Muda. 
because uh, that, that was a big accomplishment to uh, have Muda come uh, to PWS from Japan. We were very uh, honored to have him, uh, you know, with us for a couple nights. And Muda was awesome. Um, that was cool. Uh, for me, honestly, one of my favorite PWS moments was, uh, I just mentioned, you know, my first independent show I went to as a fan, it was 1988. And the main event, it was the Wild Samoans with Captain Robano. And Captain, me being from Westchester, uh, Captain Lou is one of the three local heroes, that, you know, from old school wrestling, Arnold Scalin and um, Freddie Blass here, the other two. And I was a big Captain Robano fan growing up. You know, maybe I had to do it with the Super Mario Brothers TV show that I was on at the time. <laughs> maybe it was all wrestling. I, I don't know. To me, lots of video appearances. But uh, I remember... Uh, in 2007, Captain Lou actually came on his own to a PWS show, and he came up to me uh, after a show and was like, you know, hey, like, you know, thank, you know, thanks for accommodating me today. Like, I had a good time. Like, this was a fun show. Like, you know, I'm glad I spent my day here, and that that meant a lot because to me it kind of came full circle where, you know, here I am, eight years old, all excited to see Captain Lou, and I have my rubber uh, LJN figure, you know, on my dresser, which I still have to this day. It's the only rubber figure I own. Um, and there's Captain Lou uh, hanging out at PWF, so that, that was definitely cool for me. That's amazing. Is there anyone you haven't gotten yet that you'd really love to bring through the doors? Uh, it's not my kid, but uh, you know that's uh, that's a little out of the realm of possibility. Um, but that would be awesome. Uh, Great Kabuki, I think, would be cool. Uh, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of we we brainstorm all the time about guys that we would love to bring in. I mean, we're brainstorming now about our June 8th event in Monroe, New Jersey, about talent to come in. And there's always a lot. There's definitely a, a vast uh, wealth of talent out there. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Japanese wrestling. So, I mean, the guys like, you know, Kobashi and Tajiri and um, Masato Tanaka. I mean, those guys always have appealed to me. They're, they're always in the back of my head. You know, I mean, we were lucky enough to have Liger and Great Muda and Kai come for us and, were well, well received, and likewise in, in Mexico, there's a lot of great talent there too. Uh, we we were lucky to have Mo Mascaris. There's a lot of other great luchadors down there that we'd love to have come in. That's awesome. Uh, tell us a little bit about the the bombshells. You have uh, an event this coming Saturday, May 11th. Uh, tell us a little bit about the bombshell ladies of wrestling. <laughs> uh, well, um, one one wacky day, uh, my partner Pat Buck and I decided to extend our PWF women's division and launch like a sub-brand, brand, uh, basically um, um, women's promotion, you know, under the PWF banner. Uh, the show coming up next week is in Islin, New Jersey. I think I'm pronouncing that right. I'm not really sure. Islin? Um, I think so. Go yeah, ahead, I think it sounds good, huh? <laughs> trying to, try, you know, say it phonetically. Um, this will be our fourth show. I mean, we, we've... Uh, I'm not going to lie. Bombshells is uh, a lot of ups and downs. Uh, To be completely honest with you, running a women's promotion has been a lot more challenging than running PWS, which probably sounds very, very backwards. Um, So, I mean, that's the guy on the street. Um, But, I mean, um, uh, we are excited for the event. I mean, we have um, Amazing Kong is coming in to face Amy Lee in a first blood match. Our champion, Missy Sampson, defends against Mickey Knuckles. Uh, Serena Deeb against Charlotte Martinez. La Rosa Negra against Santana Barrett. It's, it's going to be a fun show. Um, definitely looking forward to it. Um, that the Knights of Columbus on 115 Grand Street in Eastland, New Jersey. Also might be called Iceland, New Jersey. I'm not sure. Um, either way, uh, all tickets are $20. Uh, 
uh, show is Saturday, starting at 7 p.m. And this is a prime example here. I mean, I, I don't even know the name of the town that we moved the show to because we were originally running this event in Metuchen. And this is kind of us falling victim of having to relocate on, you know, a week and a half notice. So, yeah, make the best out of it. Well, best of luck. I mean, uh, again, if, if the shows I've been to are any indication, uh, it, it should be a good show. You also have another show coming up, uh, the, the Empire State Strikes Back. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, yeah, PWS Empire State Strikes Back, kind of a play on words of the you know uh, original Star Wars um, sequel. Um, that is Saturday May 18th at the St. Sebastian Parish Center, which is in the Woodside section of Queens, New York. Uh, 5 o'clock meet and greet, 7 o'clock autograph, uh, I'm sorry, 7 o'clock bell time. Uh, we have Homicide uh, challenging Kevin Matthews for the PWS title. Uh, third generation star Davey Boy Smith Jr. battling Scott Steiner. Flash Funk against Marty Jannetty in a match I don't think anyone would expect to see in 2013, but we're doing it. Uh, Bone Saw battles Necro Butcher. Uh, Dan Moff takes on Trent Barretta. We have a tornado tag match between Reality Checks, Devin Moore and Kyle Reynolds battling the Drunken Swashbuckler and Starman, straight out of the NES video game. A um, bunch of matches on the show. should be a good time. A little bit of everything. If you like high flying, we got it. you like legends, we got it. you like comedy, we got it. you like, you know, hard-hitting strength, we got that, too. Um, ProWrestlingSyndicate.com has all the information. We're also running a bus trip to this event because... You know, our home base is in New Jersey, and I know a lot of fans, sometimes they hear Queens, they think New York City, they're like, oh, God, like, I, I don't want to drive there. I'm not really comfortable with public transportation. It's a little, you know, a little, you know, anxiety about that. So uh, we went out, we chartered a bus. It's this big, fancy bus with tinted windows and air conditioning and, you know, nice bathrooms and big seats and all that. Um, so we're actually doing a bus trip from Rahway, New Jersey, to Queens, so fans can hop on the PWS bus and not to worry about having to drive and find parking and all that kind of stuff, just to make things a little bit easier and all that information also on ProWrestlingSyndicate.com. Eric, thanks a lot for spending a few minutes with us. Good luck with everything. And, uh, again, ProWrestlingSyndicate.com is the place to get all your information and purchase tickets. Thanks a lot. We'll have you on again in the future. Great. Thank you guys so much. Take care. Take it easy. And there you have it, Eric from uh, Eric Tapout from PWS, giving us a little insight, uh, a little history on how he got uh, hooked on wrestling and, and his thoughts on champions. And interestingly enough, if he uh, had a time machine, and we talked a little bit about Andre, he would go back and, and grab Andre to, to uh, spearhead his uh, fantasy promotion, Dave. Yeah, well, that's probably you know the smartest move any uh, promoter can do. I mean, Andre was... Andre was a walking cash machine back in the day um, before he, he ended up staying with the World Wrestling Federation. I mean, Andre was booked everywhere in every territory, and he worked battle royals, and he was just an attraction for, for any promotion, any booker that um, that he, uh, that uh, you know, that, that booked him. So um, that would be a smart move if, you know, if, if that were possible. Yeah, good stuff. And you know, we went through on on Facebook and getting back to our conversation. We're going to get right out to the phone. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. We're going to start talking about you know our favorite uh, champions or who we believe the best five WWE champions of all time are. And we we threw this up on the Facebook over the course of the week. And the criteria we put up there was in ring ability, character appeal, crossover celebrity, 
leader of the company and, of course, your own personal bias. Mike Farah gave us Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Hulk Hogan, Bret Hart, and The Undertaker. Mr. Trivia, Bruno, Hogan, Triple H, Taker, and Bret. Joey Image, uh, superstar on the indie scene. Hogan, Austin, Bruno, Punk, and Kurt Angle. Colin Mack, Steve Austin, John Cena, The Rock, Randy Savage, and The Iron Sheik. Uh, Bill Jordan tells us, Punk, Savage, Hitman, Austin, Ted DiBiase. Joey Image goes on to say, shit, remove Angle from mine and replace him with The Rock. (laughs) Our friend Pat Crowley. One, two, and three, Hulk Hogan, and four and five, Hulk Hogan. Uh, let's see, going on, Dave Selinski uh, gives us The Rock, and I hate to admit this, Hogan, Austin, Angle, Savage, uh, James Kennedy, Triple H, The Rock, Warrior, Austin, and CM Punk. Uh, Pat Crowley, being a little more fair, gives us Hogan. And in a distant second, Rock, then Austin, Savage, Warrior. Mike Lancaster, Hogan, HBK, Brett, Austin, and The Rock. Uh, Tony, our our blog master, Brett, Savage, Rock, Hogan, HBK. Uh, Joe Mikos gives us Austin, The Rock, Hogan, Savage, Punk. Harley, Wood, Hogan. Just says Hogan. (laughs) And Todd Evans, Hogan, Hart, Austin, Rock, Cena. Interesting list there. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because, uh, you know, for me, I, I anyone who doesn't have Hogan on the list, I'm kind of weirded out by because I think he's got to be one of those guys that got to be on the list. Uh, who's on your list, Dave? Well, going at number five, I'm going to go with uh, Triple H. I was torn between Triple H and Randy Savage, but I'm going to go with Triple H just based on the fact um you know, he when he when he was with you know the the WWF he still is I should say WWE but you know when he had his first you know real serious singles run, um, you know the, his second run as the WWE or WWF champion was probably the most significant one out of all the reigns he's had because that's where he really made his mark and and uh, you know stepped up his game so to speak and you know was, you know, made it a point that he was going to be there forever. Um, you know, his matches with Cactus Jack, um, his legendary matches with The Rock. Um, and, you know, the, the, but the most important thing for me, keeping him at that, at, at, on this list, is the fact that the WWF was known for being a babyface territory where the champions were the babyfaces. And Triple H was a heel, and he was still drawing money. And people, he was the new millennium's version of Ric Flair. People were paying to see the babyface try and take the title off him. So that makes him at number five. Number four, I've got Bret Hart. Um, Bret Hart, you know, was in a tough position as champion, especially after Hogan leaving, and wrestling wasn't really as popular then. A lot of people crap on Bret Hart's reign, but he had some phenomenal matches with his brother Owen, Yokozuna, Shawn Michaels, Diesel. I mean, the list goes on and on. Jerry Lawler. I mean, you know, you could you could name you know, Davey Boy Smith. I mean, Bret was put in a tough position, but... He he held his own, and in my opinion, you know, wrestling and the WWF wasn't really that popular back then. But Brett kept the ship the, the ship from not sinking by being the champion. Number three, I'm going to go with Steve Austin because Steve Austin, you know, was the guy that 
you know, spearheaded the Attitude Era and put the World Wrestling Federation back on the mainstream after that period of time that, you know, guys like Brett and Sean were leading the charge for the company, but it just wasn't, you know, cool to be a wrestling fan and popular to watch it. And, um, you know, and number two, Hogan. I mean, Hogan put the, you know, put wrestling on the map, in my opinion. And um, he made that title, you know, the championship to – to, to wear and, and for wrestlers all over the world to want to uh, aspire to get to that company and eventually get the Hulk Hogan type run. And number one is Bruno. Bruno, in my opinion, Bruno, um, you know, even though he's got the longest reign, um, he practically invented that title. And um, his appeal, I mean, he said it in the Hall of Fame speech, if he didn't work Madison Square Garden, he wouldn't have been booked anywhere else to main event any other venue or for any other promotion as the WWF champion. Um, so those are my top five for uh, the greatest WWE champions of all time. Yeah, it's fun. You know, it's so tough to come up with the list. And, and you know, our lists are actually pretty similar. Uh, when I was trying to compile my list, the, the guys that popped into my head immediately were uh, Bruno, Hogan, Austin, and Cena. Uh, just because I thought they, the four of them defined uh, specific eras in in wrestling, and then I was trying to figure out who else I wanted on the uh, at the other spot. And it's interesting because the, my my fifth quote guy got bumped up a bit and wound up being in the same spot on the list as yours. Uh, Bret Hart moved into four, five. I have John Cena. I mean, on the list, it's just I. I you know, to me, he had to be on the list. Uh, he's he's been a tremendous champion. Uh, the company has gotten huge uh, while he's been champion. Uh, what he's done as far as a leader uh, outside of the company uh, has been tremendous. And uh, just just being the champ and being that idea of, you know, not not as far as babyface, but the face of the WWE, uh, seen as embodied. And you know, for better or worse, uh, he has defined this era. And uh, so Cena came in at five. Uh, for a lot of the reasons you said, Hart came in for me at number four. Uh, thankless job for that guy. I mean, for Bret Hart to come in and, hey, guess what? You're going to be the guy and you have to follow Hulkamania. Good luck. And, uh, you know, he was a guy that, that he had some stellar matches, some, some great programs, uh, you know, held the title with, with a lot of prestige and uh, – you know, again, an unenviable task of, of carrying that company in the post-Hogan era. Uh, you know, tremendous job from Bret Hart. So he came in at four. Austin, for me, at, at three as well. Uh, you, you can't argue with Austin being on this list. And uh, we flip-flopped with uh, one and two. And uh, similar reasons, but I just, you know, to me, it's, you know, you can go back and forth. Uh, Hogan came in at number one and Bruno at number two. Uh you know, you could get me talking wrestling on a different day, and I could flip-flop the two of them. Uh, you know, it's a tough call. Uh, I did go with the, the way wrestling blew up in the 80s and, and how iconic Hulk Hogan was. Uh, kind of pushed him over for me to be uh, the top guy. Uh, but, you know, Bruno being number one, I mean, what Bruno did in selling out the garden and, and what he did for professional wrestling, uh, you know, he easily you could go 1-1A one one with these two uh as far as WWE champion. So similar list. Uh, interesting though. Like there were guys, you know, I like your points about triple H. I mean, 
good points. Uh, you know, having that that heel champion. Um, you know, guys like Savage. Uh, you know, I throw around like, does he make my list? Uh, you know, he was close. I went back and forth with with putting Savage on the list. Uh, you know, a guy. You know, he won the belt in in the middle of Hulkamania. Tremendous accomplishment, but uh, I, for me, the other five guys just kind of nudged him out. And that's kind of why I wanted to make it a top five list. It's, it, you come up with the best champs of all time, and you can, you can come up with you know a, a longer list. Uh, to kind of have to come up with narrow it down to five, I mean, there are other guys, Backlund, uh, you know, we had some guys, the Iron Sheik, uh, even, you know, a guy like CM Punk, longest reign in 25 years, uh, you know, all guys that, you know, could be on your list. Uh, it's tough to narrow it down to just five. So there's our list. Um, you know, interesting though, I mean, we keep talking about a tremendous amount of history surrounding this belt, uh, all great champions nonetheless. And at this point, three, four, seven, eight, three, eight, nine, eight, one, five, we have talked long enough it's all about the wwe championship this fine evening and we're going to go out to the phones and we're going to talk wwe championship with you guys we're going to start off with tony tony are you there hey guys what's up hey we got for us you know uh talking wwe championship history the greats the the not so greats uh anything surrounding the championship what do you want to talk about well, yeah, you know, when I first, oh, when I first started watching, oh my god, it was over 20 years ago now. I guess you know, like I remember it was you know Hulk Hogan was the guy from it was always you know the guy from me. I was like nine years old. I was like a big Hulk Hogan fan, um, you know. But the first like the first champion I remember actually seeing because I started watching in uh, 90 late 91 or in 92, and the champion was uh, you know going into the Royal Rumble that year when Ric Flair won. It was it was like oh my god, you know, it's like Flair won and not Hogan. I, it was like I almost, I almost, I almost went crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was, just, you know. Then um, even for me, you know, like Macho Man was uh, was uh, another favorite for me too. You know, it's like you know him and uh, Flair WrestleMania eight. That was uh, that's another. That's got to be another one of my favorite title matches. Um, you know, I mean, I, I thought Savage was a good, you know, was was a fun champion and everything. And uh, you know, Brett too. You know, I liked. Uh, I thought his first two runs, but even the third one was. Uh, um, was good too. He he was a good uh, you know he had great run you know as a uh, champion and um, Yokozuna was the other uh, long running heel to uh, heel champion. He held it from King of the Ring to WrestleMania 10 when they, uh, and, um, you know and, you know guys like you know, of course Bruno was probably the, you know just just because of the you know the length of the title run he had and and you know Bob Backlund. Um, you know, I don't know how many title rings he actually had. You know, and I know that that five six year run wasn't wasn't actually wasn't really that long. It was it wasn't the whole way through it went. Uh, it um, you know, some of the like some of some of the you know forgettable ones like Ultimate Warrior, Sergeant Slaughter, and Diesel. You know, whatever. And then uh, Shawn Michaels. That's you know, I thought his first run was good. You know, I wasn't really a big fan of his back then, but you know, it was uh, it, you know. I mean, it, it, it was all about, you know, Boyhood Dream and all that stuff. So it, it was a good run. And uh, another match I thought was good was uh, Brett versus uh, Razor at the Rumble from uh, 93 as, as a title match. Definitely. And then you bring up another guy, like another uh, interesting character, you know, Scott Hall, a guy who's, who's great. And the Razor, the Razor Moan character was tremendous and uh Another great that you know never got to hold the uh, WWE championship. 
and um, Kurt Hennig too would have been another would have been another great heel champion. You know, like if you could have had like you know, if, uh, you know they could have had him. You know, had him win over Hulk Hogan and do you know like have Hogan chasing him for the belt or whatever. You know, so you're even like you know like if he'd been around, uh, you know, or, you know like when he came back at WrestleMania 10. And, you know, they were going to do that. He did that heel turn after he was the referee, you know, whatever. And then Brett won the title later that night. You know, if, they had, if he'd stayed around, they could have done the two of them for the for the championship. I think that would have been a good, that would have been a good, good for you. You know, it's, an interesting point. it's interesting you bring that up, Tony, about Mr. Perfect. You know, it's a name that I forgot to mention. I've always talked about it in, uh, you know, in, in, in conversations with wrestling fans about, you know, him possibly being, you know, a WWE champion. But, there's a urban myth, urban legend, a story, have you, um, that the original main event for WrestleMania six was supposed to be Hulk Hogan and Mr. Perfect for the WWF title. And Mr. Perfect and Hogan were main events on a series of house shows for a few months, and Perfect sold so well for Hogan's offense and, and, and really fed for Hogan and his comebacks in the matches that Pat Patterson made the decision not to have perfect wrestle Hogan because he sold too well for Hogan and didn't believe that, you know, perfect would be a credible threat to Hulk Hogan um, for the WWF championship heading into WrestleMania six that year. So, you know, imagine what would have been if Mr. Perfect and Hulk Hogan headlined WrestleMania instead of Hogan and Warrior. Well, that that would have been uh, that would have been interesting to see. So, uh, but yeah, and I and I know that the yeah Hogan and Perfect had had a few matches on like what was that? I guess like on the house shows in those days. Um, and yeah, I mean Mr. Perfect was another one of those guys who took a lot of crazy bumps. Yeah, so it was. Uh, you know, then uh, what were the other other title runs? You know, like I mean, I gotta say, you know, like CM Punk too. You know, he had a long title run. You know, I, I thought he was a good champion. Um, even you know, like what, the one that really like gets me down the most, or one of them that gets me down the most, is Chris Jericho because he had both belts and he was like second rate. To, you know, like, it was all background playing. He was the background player because of the Triple H, Stephanie, whatever. You know, for uh, just before WrestleMania 18, that was like one that you know, it's like. Like the guy's got both belts, and he's pretty much and he's pretty much standing in the background there. Yeah, I thought. I thought yeah, then, you know, I'm curious. Like, what would, would that be your least favorite? Like, do you have a least favorite championship run? Um, probably that, just because it wasn't just because it was so you know, like booked so ridiculously. Uh, even Diesel, you know, it was like you know, it's like I was. Like twelve, thirteen at the time, and it's like he had the belt, and I was just like, "Oh my God, why is this guy still holding the belt?" Just you know, like when is he? You know, I was like, "When's he gonna lose?" And you know, and then when he finally dropped it to, uh, you know, to to Brett at the Survivor Series, I was like, "Oh, finally!" You know, like you know, you know, it's like finally he lost the freaking belt to Brett. You know, so it was just like, yeah, like I said, you know, his, his you know, like Kevin Nash's title run was like you said, it was. I mean, he was fighting, you know, it was freaking him and Mabel at SummerSlam that year, which I don't think I ever saw. <laughs> All right, Tony, thanks a lot for the phone call. Uh, Tony is our expert blogger, blogs on Raw, SmackDown, and Impact each and every week. Check out his blog on thekenreedyshow.com. Tony, thanks for giving us a call tonight, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you next Sunday. All right. All right. Take it easy, man. Yeah. And we're going to stick with the phones. We're going to go out. Let's uh, Before we get out back out to the phones, 347-838-9815, I'm curious, Dave, do you have a – 
a favorite or at least a couple favorite uh, title matches over the course of history that you enjoyed watching? Yeah, um, a, a couple favorite title matches that I enjoy uh, watching. Um, Austin and Rock from WrestleMania 17. I thought that was an awesome match. I loved watching those two guys go at it with each other. Um, Shawn Michaels and Mankind from the In Your House Mind Games pay per view um, in 1996. It was I, I was optimistic, thinking to myself, those two guys, their styles aren't going to work, but. They just glued, you know, gelled together so well, and it's one of my favorite matches to watch of all time. Um, and uh, I'd probably have to say, um, I'd probably have to say, like, it's like, you no, know, I'm a big Hogan fan, so Hogan and uh, Hogan and Andre's a favorite just for the, you know, the historical value of it. But Hogan and Orndorff in the cage when they tied was probably one of my favorite WWF championship matches. Yeah, it's definitely a good match. It's funny because the Hogan Andre match, it's uh, and it's tough to recapture uh, that feel for for when it happened. Uh, the match, you know, the storytelling's good. You know, it's not like a match that it's, you're wowed by it, aside from the the body slam at at the end of the match. Uh, but the feel when it happened, uh, you know, tremendous. You know, and I watched. I try to kind of put myself back in that mindset of being younger and, and watching WrestleMania three. Um, tremendous match that always uh, stands out for me. Uh, we're gonna go out to the calls though. Still, we want to know uh, what are some of your favorite title matches. We got Dank on the line. Dank, are you there? I'm here, gentlemen. How are you doing tonight? What do you got for us, Dank? Um, well, to answer the question of the night, um, I would have to say one of my favorite um, um, WWE champions of all time. I would have to go with Mankind. And the simple fact is that up until him, when I was watching it, you had people like Rock, Austin, Taker, like this built guys that, you know, you were just waiting for them to have their turn at the belt. And here comes, like, almost the anti-hero, the the guy that nobody ever gives a shot, the guy that everybody laughed about. It's like this fat out-of-shape guy that does all these weird things with barbed wire. Not a chance in hell is he ever going to win the championship. And then not only does he win it, but he does it by beating The Rock. And it's like, Jaws just dropped. You know, it's like, wow. It's like, he gave hope to those without hope. You know, it was kind of like, look, you don't have to be this mainstream, you know, company on your shoulders kind of guy to have the belt. You can be somebody that looks like mankind and become a champion. And to me, that's why he will always, I mean, like, yeah, there's a usual generic answer. I love Stone Cold when he had the belt and The Rock and everybody, but mankind and Following Mankind, I'd say also Jeff Hardy when he won it in um, 2008 beating Edge was another. Also because being a huge Hardy fan, I was always hoping that one of the Hardy boys would win it. And Jeff was my favorite of the two. But those two to me will always be like the, look, if you really want it, you can achieve it kind of thing. And to me, that goes beyond, you know, 
people, you know, I'm not trying to take away from anybody like, you know, Rock and Hogan and anything like that, but when there's this message that comes along with it, to me, it's a whole lot more powerful than, you know, you're big and you're built and you're going to win the championship. But my question to you guys is, is there a champion or champions that you believe should not have been champions? That maybe they just did it to appease the wrestler. It was in his conflict. Something that you're like, really? Like, this guy is winning the belt right now? If he's, he's the champion right now? Is there anybody that you didn't think should have been a, a, a title holder? Well, I, I think for, you know, coming from me, the obvious uh, answer is it is The Miz. I mean, that's... I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any like question that that's where I was going to go with that. But you know, I mean, in, in de, and honestly, you won't hear me say this on, but in defense of the Miz, I, I just think the role was bigger than than he is. You know, it was it was just it was it was almost like bad casting if you if you could call it that. Um, you know, I think Miz is a good, solid, entertaining mid card type guy. He uh, being. Being champ to me just never worked. Uh, I, I don't know what went on behind the scenes uh, with him. It just, you know, he just wasn't the guy that that screamed championship. It, he didn't look like a, a champion. There was just nothing about him that was like, yeah, that guy's the WWE champ. Uh, at, as far as I mean, guys not serving. Uh, yeah, it's tough going back. The only guy who. You know, after the fact, like the Ultimate Warrior kind of dropped the ball afterwards. But when he won it, uh, I wouldn't have said, "Well, he's not deserve it." So uh, I don't know. Like, I mean, the the Miz, the guy that jumps out for me. I don't know if I could really. I mean, Vince McMahon, perhaps. But uh, you know, it's his company he can do whatever the hell he wants to do. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Dave? Um, yeah, looking back on Mrs. Rain, I, I mean, I would have to agree with you. Other names that come to mind. Um, you know, for instance, uh, one name that I at, at the time I was not sold on, I was like, really, they're going to give the belt to him? But over time, he grew on me, was JBL. I thought that he went from being a tag team guy to a solo act, and then he just got the title really quickly, and I was like, wait a minute, where, there are other guys. That Kurt Angle could be wearing the belt at the time, or the big show, or you know what I mean? And, and they were in a tough spot at that time because, Brock Lesnar had just left the company unexpectedly, and they were looking to fill some shoes on SmackDown, and they put and Bradshaw's been a company guy for a long period of time. But at first, I was like, really? And I really enjoyed Eddie Guerrero. I loved his in-ring work. I was really looking forward to seeing where they were going to go with his title run. And, you know, he had like a four-month reign, five, you know, four or five months or whatever. I really thought there was more that they could have done with the Eddie Guerrero championship run. Um, JBL was the first that came to mind at that time. And now that I've looked back on it, and even even during the during the title reign, during that period, you know, JBL made a believer out of me. You know, I was like, man, fat, sloppy-ass Bradshaw's got the belt. I was like, are you kidding me? I'm like, man, and I, to be honest with you, I don't ever say I'll never watch wrestling, but I had a hard time watching SmackDown a few times, and there was no advent of DVR. So I, I either missed it or I had to sit at that time or I had to sit through watching it. And But he grew on me over time. Um, 
Yeah, Bradshaw. I, mean, I could I could agree with you on the you know looking back on the fact after with the Miz, um, and and even Sergeant Slaughter too. I was never he he didn't really seem believable. I mean, he was a mean guy, and he had the whole you know Iraqi sympathizer gimmick, and he drew a lot of heat from it. But he was too slow in the ring for me. Like I was I, I wasn't an Ultimate Warrior fan, but when he beat the Warrior for the belt, I was like, well, the only way he could have won was without setting interference because. Warrior goes at like 300 miles an hour, and Slaughter moves slower than pond water. And I'm like, I could not fathom like Sergeant Slaughter being the champion at the time. So um, those, those are probably the names that come to mind. Who I just kind of scratched my head at for for uh, WWF or WWE title runs. The other guy that that, that jumps to mind for me, and uh, you know, it may have been like you were saying, Dag may have boiled down to storyline or, or you know, paint themselves into a corner or having to give it to someone is uh Rob Van Dam. Uh you know, that guy I, I you know, he's there, there's talent there. I mean he's I, I he he's a solid, entertaining mid carter at best, but it was one of those things. It was at extreme rules. It was against John Cena. I mean, that was the famous if Cena wins we riot. Um it was like you know, R V D kinda had to win that night, but uh, that's a guy I, I never, ever uh, would consider a main eventer or WWE champion uh, type guy. And just kind of found myself thinking, really, he's the WWE champ. So those are some of the guys. Uh, do you have anyone, Dank, that you watched and then just been like, why is he champion? Um, I don't know. I mean, as as a fan, and you know, usually it's the... Um, the crowd pleaser, or like you kind of, you can kind of see it coming. Um, I don't know. Maybe Kane. Like I never really saw him as somebody that could really do much with the belt, or even portray much as the belt as maybe like just the underdog that won it. Um, but other than that, I mean, you guys know a whole lot more on the background of these wrestlers than I do. You're more in depth, but um, I think Kane would be the only one where I'd be like, you know, I didn't see it coming, and I don't see the point of him ever have won it. But I don't know. Yeah, so it's a good point. You know, especially for Kane, it's you know, they're saying you know, a guy like him, he's big and he's scary, and you know, if he wins the belt, it's almost like, all right, now how can you make it realistic to someone? for someone taking the belt uh, from him. So, uh, you know, interesting stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I've always liked Kane, but I could see your point uh, with that. Um, got anything else for us, Dank? Um, just for Dave, last question, and I know it's going to be an easy one. Who has the most titles in their career? WWE titles? WWE titles. Um, well, we all know that Ric Flair has the most world heavyweight titles, but I believe that goes to uh, most WWE titles goes to uh, John Cena, I believe, at 11. Yes. Impressive, as always. Very well, very, very well, sir. You guys have a good night. I've kept you long enough. Good show. Thanks. I'll talk to you guys well, tomorrow night. Take it easy, Dank. And night. play him out. Good night, Dank.
to get it in somewhere. You know, and as over as that guy is, I'm, I personally, I hope that conversation and that music being played is the closest that he ever gets to being the WWE champion. We're going to go right back out to the phone calls, 347-838-9815. We got Mr. Trivia on the line. Mr. Trivia, are you there? Yeah, how you doing, guys? Doing all right. How are you? What do you got for us tonight? Uh, well, I put together a, l- a little list here of my top five WWE champion versus WWE champion. The top five guys that I would like to see fight, top two champions at that time I would like to see fight against each other. And it was, and it was Hogan Austin, Brett versus Cena, Shawn Michaels versus Randy Savage, Bob Backlund versus The Rock, Triple H versus Bruno. Well, that's, that's it. Man, if we had a time machine and, and could make all that happen, uh, that's pay-per-view I'd watch. I'm probably oh, yeah, no. Shawn Michaels' macho man over here. That's that's awesome. <laughs> that would be enough. Well, I originally had it as Shawn Michaels and the Iron Sheik, but... Well, I said, well, wait a minute. I, I said, I think Shawn Michaels Savage would be a much better match. That, that would be a tremendous matchup. That would be my two all, favorite, all of them are good matches. Yeah, my two favorite WWE matches, Hogan versus Andre, and when Chris Jericho beat Rock in Austin to win the undisputed title. It's funny that that's one of those weird moments for me, like when, when Dank was saying, you, look, you know, when you look back on it, I, I'd never say Chris Jericho was undeserved. Um, but at the time, I remember sitting there thinking, wait, what? Really? Jericho just won that? Really? <laughs> that guy? Um, you know, as time has gone on, you know, I, I've, I've become a Jericho fan. I love what he brings to the table. I, I, you know, I like just about everything he does. But in the moment, I was kind of, wow, yeah, he beat those two? That was a... Uh, an odd moment. I was I was really shocked when that when that happened. Yeah, that was kind of a surprise as well. Uh, I don't know. I was. I mean, you know, Jericho, like right, you know, like you said right now, you know, like Dave before was talking about uh, Dolph Ziggler, and I really didn't see it with Ziggler, but now I'm on the Dolph Ziggler bandwagon. So thank you, Dave. And um, you're welcome again. The thing, the thing with Jericho is just uh, I don't know. One of the guys that I see. Like Dank was saying before, and I believe I believe Dank was saying it before about the guy that I couldn't believe. No, I believe it was you that said it, Ken. The guy that I couldn't believe was WWE champion was RVD. I mean, I don't know what the status is with him and TNA. I mean, there's rumors going around he's gonna he's still with TNA. There's rumors going around he's coming to the WWE. I don't know what the deal is with that, but I mean, it's really not that important, but. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you very much, guys, for taking my call. Thank you very much for uh, the resident diva, Michelle, for being on the Broke Report earlier today. We uh, already got it uh, up and posted. So if you guys want to check out that interview, I really appreciated her taking time out of her schedule to talk with me. And uh, Ken, we'll be in touch with you again about the tap out for cancer. Sounds good. Thanks a lot for the call. Talk to you soon. All right. right. Bye-bye. And Mr. Cherry there with the call. He's really thankful that you, you got him into Dolph Ziggler. I know, it's like... You get thanked every week. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's now become overwhelming. Like, I, I almost want to, like, tell him not to like Dolph Ziggler anymore. 
I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, I can have some influence on some of our callers and listeners. It's 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 humbling. Another Ken Reedy show word that we use a lot here. Hashtag humbled. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting, you know, when you go back and, and look at some of the guys that, you know, yeah, I mean, RVD was just kind of a weird choice, but it was almost like it was a short-term solution when it happened. You, you kind of... Everything storyline wise was was leading up up to that, and and you kind of you had to have RVD go over Cena at in that moment, but it still was kind of one of those like when when the dust settled, it was wow, really RVD's the WWE champ, really? He still has those airbrushed tights, right? Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> it's just kind of, you know, it, it was weird. I just, I don't know. I just, you know, again, a guy who's very solid at what he does. It just, you know, there's, there's something special to being the WWE champ, and I, I that, that kind of was, kind of surprising to me. But let's stick with the phones. We got Mike on the line. Mike, are you there? Yes, I am, guys. How's it going tonight? Doing all right. How are you? What do you got for us? All right. Well, I got my, I got my top five championship matches. Um, one one of them being um, Bret Hart versus Diesel Survivor Series, uh, 1995. I got Macho Man, I got Macho Man and Hulk Hogan WrestleMania five because the Mega Towers exploded. Um, Sid, Sid Vicious was Justice versus Shawn Michaels, which I was very happy to see Michaels uh, win the title from Sid. Um, Bret and Shawn WrestleMania the Iron Man match. And last but not least, Triple H versus Cactus Jack, the Royal Rumble, uh, 2000. Great match. And my 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 world champion that I could never I couldn't believe. Well, I have two. I couldn't believe that they they put the belt on on Sid. Oh, I I didn't see Sid anything much more than a mid carter. Um, and I also didn't like that they put the belt on Bob Backlund. Uh, if they should have put the belt on somebody, it should have been Owen Hart. And I think Owen Hart would have made a great heel champion. I would agree. You know, as we look back, and we, and we didn't actually touch on Owen's name, we look at some of the guys, some of the greats in the business that did not have the, the championship. I mean, you can throw Owen's name in that mix as well. Um, you know, it's funny with Sid. I get what you're saying with Sid and his ability. I... For me, I guess the stature kind of—I I didn't really hate on Sid too much as a as champ because he just was so big and scary that, you know, he looked like a guy that could be top of the heap. But I get what you're you're saying. I mean, he wasn't, you know, the, the most talented of individuals. Uh, but definitely uh, going back to Owen. Owen was a guy that you know maybe he should have had a run with the championship belt. Uh, you know, what about, what are your thoughts on Owen, Dave? Uh, I thought he was a tremendous wrestler, and you know. At the time, um, seeing him, you know, it was the, the the matches he had with his brother Brett for the title were were awesome matches. Um, I thought at some point there was, you know, Brett's run was going to end, and Owen was finally going to have a run. I didn't know how long it was going to be, but I thought there was going to be some run. Um, Bob Ackland's a name that comes to mind, you know, that I kind of scratched my head at too when they when they gave him the title. I'm like, he's old, and you know, but. It was a transitional thing to get him to Diesel and, you know, to, 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 to put Kevin Nash over by beating a guy of the stature of Bob Backlund. So I understand why they did it. Um, I would have loved to have seen an Owen Hart uh, 
World Heavyweight Championship run. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he didn't ha- he didn't have as much appeal as Brett did in terms of um, like on a broader scale. Where, you know, with, with the audience, um, he was he was respected in his own right for his in ring ability and for his for his, uh, his his character as a heel. But I don't think as like the face of the company, I don't think he would have been. Um, at least, at least, what I'm just assuming at from from you know WWF official standpoint at the time, um, he would have been a fit to be the champion. Um, I would have loved to have seen it, but I just think it, that that was probably their take on as to why they didn't give him the title. Um, but yeah, no, I loved Owen Hart. I thought he was great, and he was a great heel, and uh, you know he was in a, a lot of respects he was a more well-rounded wrestler than his brother. Um, <laughs> You know, a lot of people. A lot of people. You know, you know, they give Brett his credit, and he deserves it. But a lot of people don't give Owen enough credit for being the more well-rounded wrestler than Brett. You know, Owen. Owen was technical. Owen could fly. Owen could brawl. Owen. Owen was. You know. Owen. Owen could do it all, in my opinion. Um, and I don't take anything away from Brett because I think he was awesome. But I just think Owen was the more well-rounded wrestler. To um to just change the subject for one second to talk about. Something that Tony, I believe it was Tony who brought it up, when Diesel versus um, Mabel at at SummerSlam 1995. If you guys go to go to YouTube and you put that in for them, you know, for their match, you hear Kevin. I mean, you hear Mabel talking about that match, and then you hear Kevin Nash. All Kevin Nash does is curse through the whole thing, and he talks about how. Mabel was hurting people, and he talked about Mabel hurting Kevin. Kevin. Uh, Kevin. Nash. I saw that. I, I saw that, Mike. That was actually pretty interesting. <laughs> what do you think? I was going to say, what do you think about that? Um, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, that that match. I mean, it's it's regarded as one of the worst matches, worst championship matches, worst wrestling matches in the history of of, of wrestling. Um. But, uh, I mean, worse than Luger versus uh, Yokozuna. <laughs> oh, at least at least Luger was a little more athletic than Nash and could lift Yokozuna up. Nash was. Yokozuna was more athletic than Luger. Well, maybe that's you know that that that's up for debate too. But um, oh, no, yeah, God. it was surprising to hear some of the stories that Nash had to say about about um, Mabel and you know heading to SummerSlam and how he was. How he was getting careless for guys. I, if, if I remember, there was a quote in in, the, in that video where Nash said that he hurt one of the Samoans. Yeah, and, if, and how do you hurt a Samoan? He said, if you hurt a Samoan, then you know you got some heat in the locker room because the Samoans oh. are pretty well respected amongst you know the wrestling community. So, um, but yeah, I don't remember that match being anything special. I just remember it being really awful, and the finish was terrible too. I think because. The, the week prior, they had Davy Boy Smith turn on Diesel, and then he kind of aligned with Mabel, and then they were wondering if Luger was going to join them because Luger and Davy Boy were a tag team at the time, and they had like a hodgepodge of a couple of guys interfering in the match. And, in fact, that was you – know, Luger interfered with right. Davy Boy and, and attacked Mabel right. and Davy Boy, and then he was on Nitro the next week. Yeah, and, so, Eric, Bischoff said that, and Eric Bischoff said that he didn't want to sign – Lex Luger, but Sting had talked him into it, and um, yeah, it, right, right. He said he said it on one of those shows. Hey, Ken, I have a question for you. Um, 
Uh, this week we were talking about guys that maybe should have been a four horseman. Who would you have picked for a four horseman member if if you had a, cho- a choice? Wow, that's that's tough. Well, who, I mean, the, who do you think is the worst four horseman? I think the, the easiest one that people go back to is, is Paul Roma. I mean, that's <laughs> like, I'm laughing because that's what I put on my answer. That was my. You know what Paul Roma does now for a living? I what? do not. He, he works for FedEx. So oh, that's what he can deliver, huh? <laughs> I don't know what he does for them, but I've I've heard stories that he works for FedEx. So I guess him and Power and Glory were a good tag team, but I guess it didn't last too long. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's tough, you know, when you look back, because, I mean, the, the originals, the, the original Four Horsemen were so good, I, I, it's tough to say, oh, who would I add to, to that group? I'd have to I'd have to really think about that, because, you know, how do you how do you change perfection? I mean, when you go back and look I at those... I like Dave's answers. I like Dave's answers. Dave gave, like, the best answers. Really? Okay, yeah, who are you putting in, so. Dave? Well, um, Triple H... When he was John Paul Levesque in the early WCW days, I thought he could have had a good rub being with Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. Another name that comes to mind is uh, uh, William Regal when he was Stephen Regal. I thought he would have been a good addition to the Horsemen. Um, stunning Steve Austin. Austin was kind of floundering a little bit at that time. He had success being a part of the Dangerous Alliance and, of course, with the Hollywood Blondes with Brian Pillman, but I thought he would have been an excellent addition. Even Fader. I thought Vader would have been a good muscle for the full horseman. He would have been, you know, with him, uh, Flair, Arn, and, you know, just let's say for argument's sake, uh, you know, Tully Blanchard or whatever. I thought he would have been like a good muscle for that group. Just some of the names that come to mind. You know, I, I, I would have been, it would have been funny if Dusty, if Dusty Rhodes would have went over and been a full horseman member. It would have been kind of funny. Yeah, but that's oh, not, that wouldn't be believable. That's like, oh, that's... <laughs> That's as, that's as believable as David Arquette being the WCW champion. That was just Rhodes believable. So... <laughs> that was just believable as Bill Goldberg being a heel. Give me a break. Yeah, that too. And Austin being a heel again when they turned him heel. But anyway, guys, it was a great pleasure talking with you guys as always. I loved I loved your interview with the PWS guy. Pretty good stuff. Um, you guys are awesome, and keep on rocking what you do. Wrestling is in your blood, my blood. Let's just keep it going. Take it easy, guys. Thank you. Thanks a lot for the call, Mike. And Thanks, Mike. Wow, we're going again. Go from a WWE Championship to a Four Horsemen. Uh, you know, never know where you're going to go with this show. But we've actually been able to stay fairly focused for the bulk of the show, which has been really good. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is the number to call. We're talking WWE Championship, and right now we're going to head back out of the phones. We got Justin on the line. Justin, are you there? Hi, Ken. How you doing, Justin? Oh, super. I, I you know, I, I'm not sure how you're going to answer this question, and and there's so many choices, so I, I don't know where you're going to go with this, but I, I got to ask you: in history, out of all the wrestlers that have held the WWE Championship, who is the best champion out of all of them? Scooby Doo. <laughs> now you get you put me in a position. I have no follow up question to that. Scooby Doo. Well, when, when did he? Did he have a run during the steroid trial? Like what's? <laughs> I just picked him. <laughs> I can see that. He just pulled he that one out of the air. 
Oh yeah, can I pick this guy? I pick Scooby Doo. Can I? He's a he's a good wrestler. Scooby Doo is a good wrestler. Oh yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> Don't know where to go with this phone call now. You, you, you painted me into a corner here, Justin. You trumped the Ox Baker phone call from a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but seriously, I mean, out of wrestlers, professional wrestlers who have held the WWE Championship, do you have a favorite champion? Edge. Edge. There you go. Kind of, kind of. That, that's what I was angling. I thought you'd go in that direction there. Uh, a guy, you know, I personally, when when we talk about Edge, I, I don't think he gets enough love as far as uh, the historical context of of his career. But uh, definitely a, a solid, solid career. Uh, bonafide main eventer for a big chunk of his career. Uh, Made his way up, tag teams, mid-card, main event, uh, good champion, good as a face and a heel. Uh, many, many championships. Uh, you know, a name that rightfully uh, should be up there in the pantheon of, of greats. And he was a guy also that when he first, when he won the WWE title, I kind of I had my doubts. But I think he he rose to the occasion of, of being a, a main eventer. So uh, good choice there. Justin, as far as your favorite champion, figured you might go in that direction. Any other champions you, you, you thought like had really good championship runs? What about um, what about Lita? She's a, she's a she's a women's champion. Well, she was a women's champion, and then then they made a good couple, both having won belts. Ah, uh, uh, lucky dude. <laughs> Funny, lucky dude, you are. <laughs> Ah, oh, Justin, man, like I, you know, thanks so much for for calling us each and every week. Cause I, you know, we always have a good chuckle and uh, laugh and smile a little bit when you call. But uh, I, thanks for calling in tonight. And uh, yeah, I think that Edge is definitely a good pick right there for one of the best champions. Uh, you know, one of the best champs, uh, you know, in recent history. And uh, you know, again, I think we touched on it a couple weeks ago. A guy that. You know, if if didn't if he didn't get injured, I mean, who knew? Who knows how much farther uh, he could have gone, and maybe would have had a couple other championship runs. Justin, thanks a lot for giving us a phone call. Thank you, Ken. Talk to you next Sunday. Sure. And tell uh, Dave he's a he's a great guy. Thank you, Justin. You're quite welcome, sir. Take it easy, my man. Talk. All to right, you. Ken. Stay- I thought he would go with with Edge. I kind of figured he'd go with Edge, but uh. You know, Edge, I don't know what your thoughts were, Dave, but when Edge won the belt, like I said, I kind of was, uh, I don't know, I, I, I wasn't sold necessarily on, on him being a, a main eventer, but a guy who, uh, to me, rose to the occasion and definitely, uh, by the time he retired, uh, beyond a bona fide main event guy. I, I liked Edge from the moment I saw him and, uh, you know, when he debuted the WWE and I thought, you know, he was the, the second coming of Shawn Michaels in a way, you know, the pretty boy and, you know, the from, you know, with his look and the in-ring ability he had. Um, and when he cashed in that money in the bank, I mean, that's a, to me, in my opinion, the money in the bank is such a, it's such a good concept for the WWE. It's almost like, it's almost the equivalent to what the King of the Ring was for other guys. It really helps catapult you. And at the same time, you can, you know, they get awarded to this person at the time, but then they can kind of put them in a holding pattern a little bit and find the right time when they feel that person is ready to take the responsibility of being a champion. And, uh, you know, 
the, the character that Edge had being, you know, a sneaky manipulator. I mean, the, the scenario was perfect, you know, after an Elimination Chamber match. I remember I did not order that pay-per-view, and I was I, – I forget what I was doing, but I came home and I saw, you know, WWE.com breaking news, and he was the champ, and I was like, oh, my God, like, I didn't see it coming. Like, and that was what was cool about it. And to me, in my opinion, that's probably the best cash-in as far as the money in the bank goes, you know, because he really set the tone for that gimmick, that money in the bank of, you know, the unpredictability of it. And, and as far as being a champion goes, I, I didn't like the first run he had because it was short, and I thought that he should have lost the title so quickly. Um but when he got the title again after a few months and he was going through guys and he held it, you know, I mean, one of his title runs where he where he uh, he defeated, uh, you know, where he made a surprise return and beat, you know, Triple H and was it the, the Russian guy Kozlov at the Survivor Series? You know, he made a surprise appearance in a triple threat match. He replaced Jeff Hardy. I mean, he the the, the he probably had some of the most interesting ways to win the title. You know, it's not the WWE title, but he also won the World Heavyweight title by sneaking into an elimination chamber, um, you know, four years ago, by taking Kofi's place and attacking him. Um, but over time, yeah, I mean, I, I liked him from the beginning. I always thought he was going to eventually get to the top. And um, one of my all-time favorites and probably, you know, his first title win was the, the most memorable one, in my opinion, because it was just you, you didn't see it coming. It came out of nowhere. Yeah, see, it's funny for me because, you know, I remember him back with The Brood. And, uh, you know, they had – and it was The Brood was cool. I mean, they had this funky music and they, they rose out of the the floor with the flames and the blood and the everything. And, I, you know, I've tried to find – I haven't been able to find the exact one. And I think it was the first time. But, you know, they're this mysterious group and they didn't talk and Gangrel was the, uh, you know, the vampire and – Christian and Edge just were, you know, behind the scenes as, like, part of his entourage and everything. And I just remember the first time they spoke, it was god-awful. It was just terrible. It was like, just please don't ever talk again. The three of you never talk. You destroyed everything, all the mystery and everything. It was just, just stop now. Please don't ever pick up a microphone again. And I think, you know, sometimes... You know, they, they say first impressions go a long way, and that kind of stuck with me when it came to Edge. And even though he, he improved and, and he got, you know, so much better on the microphone, and he was, you know, tag team specialist, and those TLC matches uh, were tremendous and really, you know, like we've said before, kind of, you know, set the bar really high for tag team wrestling and may have done some damage, uh, you know, as far as future tag teams going forward. Uh, but there was always that kind of nagging feeling for me that I just didn't see him as a main eventer. And, and you know, it's one of those guys that just, you know, obviously completely proved me wrong. I mean, he just was more than a main eventer. Uh, tremendous talent. Would love to see him back. It's a shame when his career ended. But, uh, you know, good thing that he got out before any sort of significant injury. When you bring up Money in the Bank, though, I think it's it's good to note that you know, as much as Money in the Bank put him over, I, you know, he put Money in the Bank over. I, as far as the uh, mystique and, and grandiose uh, opportunity that Money in the Bank provides, uh, to me, Edge was the guy that really put that concept on the map, that really made that concept work, that put that whole Money in the Bank idea uh, out there and really kind of, you know, elevated the the feel of, of what that match meant 
And, uh, you know, it can't be understated, uh, you know, how great a competitor and how great a champion Edge was. 347-838-9815 is the number to call. We're going to go back out to the phones. We are talking the history of the WWE Championship, 50 years of greatness and champions, past, present. You want to talk future. Maybe you want to talk about in reference to the WWE Championship. We're going to go back after the calls. We got AJ on the line. AJ, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. How you doing, buddy? What do you got for us tonight? Good, you? Doing all right. Yeah, um, right now, I'm like in a... When I first started watching wrestling, John Cena was the man for me. Uh, So I got to say John Cena. Is is he your favorite champion? Yeah. Either John Cena or um, for older guys, maybe Diesel. It's, it's interesting. I like, you know, this like when you call in, you make me feel old. You're like older guys, and I was like out of college when Diesel was. But whatever, let's not talk about that. <laughs> for you, for you as a younger fan, I, I think you're. It's interesting for you because you said you know you called before. You're 16 years old, correct? Yeah. So you right now? I mean, you started watching wrestling. You said you were young. You were like five, six years old. Um. Uh... A little older than that. I started watching it when I was like in a third, fourth grade. Okay, so you're you're a guy that you really, as far as the the current product, mm-hmm. you've only really seen John Cena as the man. Uh, yes and no. Um, I've seen a little before John Cena, JBL, and a little before JBL. I'm curious. I'm curious, like over your, the course of you being a fan, like almost a decade or so, like have has your feelings changed on, on John Cena? Are, are you a fan of his? Or have you soured on him? What are your thoughts on on him and, and his run? Still, am a fan of him. Uh, I'll always be a fan of him because I grew up watching him. Um, still love his work and everything, but I feel that uh, they're trying to make him be like. Uh, he is a huge name and everything, but I don't think they should give him the title as much anymore since he's had uh, the title so many times. I think I think they should give uh, some of the newer talents a chance. I'd like to see somebody like uh, Daniel Bryan or Dean Ambrose hold, or Seth Rollins hold the WWE title. Uh, and... I wouldn't like to see it just for a short time. Dean Ambrose, I'd love to see him hold it for at least a half a year. Um, I think a lot of the newer guys have a lot of talent because a lot of the newer guys become, uh, come from, like, Ring of Honor or a lot of the indie wrestling and stuff. And I'm very familiar with Ring of Honor and indie wrestling. And I know a lot of um, and they have a lot of experience and stuff throughout the ring. Interesting stuff. So, so those guys. Anyone else in the company that, or maybe since you're you're well versed on on Ring of Honor, is anyone maybe even not in the WWE right now? When you look at future champion, who you'd love to see the WWE sign and and hold that WWE championship? Um, actually, yeah. Um, there when WWE comes to like Connecticut, 
uh, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, New York, or something like that, and if they need indie guys, they usually, um, like, if they need indie guys for security or something like that, um, they usually call up a few of, actually, my buddies, Brian Fury, Scotty Slade, Mark Sherman, Matt Taven, some of those guys, and I'd actually love to see Mark Sherman as a WWE champion. Very cool, AJ. Thank you so much for the call. Uh, definitely, you, I I really enjoy your calls, and I'm sure I'm probably speaking for Dave. You come in and and just well informed, intelligent, concise. You, you have a uh, good points, and uh, thanks a lot for for jumping on board with us. Ah, thank you. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Cool. I'll talk to you soon, AJ. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks. Bye. And AJ, see, that's cool. And someone like that, like AJ calls in a younger fan, uh, segue, because we did also ask on Facebook, who are your thoughts, guy who has not had the WWE title yet, uh, who would be a good future champion? And on Facebook, Jake Fredo said, Daniel Bryan, Chris Gallerani, Kofi Kingston, Dave Selinski said, Wade Barrett, maybe. Uh, Peter Daniel McCartan. She said, James says Barrett. And by James, he's referring to uh, Nunzio. So uh, former WWE superstar Nunzio says Wade Barrett. Todd Evans says Kingston has the personality, but maybe not the physical presence to move up from the ICUS division. How about Mark Henry? Uh, Michelle says Fandango, just because, LOL. Vladimir Joseph says Vladimir Joseph. Dave Woods, one man who's been trying to get his hands on the WWE Championship title for a long time, SD Special Delivery Jones, <laughs> Anthony Charles Buchanan, Cesaro and Sandow, Michael Lancaster, Drew McIntyre, uh, AJ, who just called, also wrote Kurt Hawkins and Ted DiBiase, and uh, seconded the Vlad Joseph. Uh, we have Scott Greenbaugh also said Antonio Cesaro. Frank Pintaro, wow, awesome question. Cody Rhodes, Ambrose and Rollins, future big three. Ontario Hewitt, Fandango, or Kofi. Um, it's interesting because for, for me, at least as a fan, there aren't guys that jump out for me just at, at this juncture in time. Uh, when Todd actually said Mark Henry, I didn't think of him because he's, he's been around for a while, but he hasn't had the WWE title. So, uh yeah, he's a guy I definitely could see with a run, maybe getting a run. Um, I'm not 100% sold on anyone. If I had to bet the farm, who I think is is hasn't had it, who's newer, who is finally ready for it, I think I'd agree with a, a bunch of our fans, and I'd bet money on Wade Barrett. Um, your thoughts, Odin? Yeah, Mark Henry's a great choice. Um, you know, he's held the World Heavyweight title uh I, I do agree with you. There aren't really a lot of guys in the landscape of the WWE that, uh, you know, I could see holding the championship. Wade Barrett, you know, I thought Wade Barrett should have had a, a small run at least with the Nexus. Um, with the way that they were building him up as being this ruthless leader, I thought for sure that he was going to at least get a, a small run with the title, um, you know, after, you know, a few years ago. But um, I think he could, I think he could, Excel really well as a WWE champion. Mark Henry's another name, too. Um, somebody who I think needs to be a little more aggressive and 
probably kind of do stuff on his own is uh, Cody Rhodes. I think Cody Rhodes could be a WWE champion someday. Um, you know, Dolph Ziggler's got the world title right now. He just won it, but he's definitely, you know, if, if you're going to put the world title on somebody, then they're probably worthy enough to be the WWE champion at some point. So I think Dolph Ziggler could. Um, here's an interesting question. Guys from TNA. Who from TNA could possibly be a world heavyweight, or the WWE champion? Um, one guy that, well, there's only one guy, in my opinion, that comes to mind, and that's Bobby Roode. I think Bobby Roode would be an excellent WWE champion. Give, you know, and I know that WWE likes to take guys from other organizations, and you know, if they if they sign them, they 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 fit them into their mold and change their character around. I think they should keep Bobby Roode the way he is, and you know, he would be a solid WWE champion. That's a good choice. What I found interesting when when I asked this, and and the guy that uh, you know, it, it very well may perhaps be on his way, but. Nobody, nobody said Ryback, which I found kind of interesting that he was kind of absent from the. the oh, con- hold on, time out, time out before you before you keep going further. Our Facebook chat here says that Dank said Ryback could be a future WWE champion. Well, and there you go. Well done, Dank. Um, you know, just because I mean he's a safe bet. Obviously, uh, there's a good uh, chance that he's going to. Uh, be the WWE title. I, I just found it interesting that, uh you know, the question, the way it was worded, was who in the WWE that has never won before could be a great WWE champion. And, uh, you know, nobody picked Ryback. So, uh, Here, here's a name. William Regal. You know, it's funny. Like, he's a, I love Regal. I do love Regal. And, I, I you know, even if it's like a night, I would not be opposed to him uh, winning that title. I mean, the funny thing is they haven't done this. I mean, the last time, and correct me if I'm wrong, but they, you know, they don't do the nostalgia thing much anymore. I mean, they did it a while back with Hogan. Um, I, I would not necessarily be opposed if he, if look, if they had an event in England and on a Monday Night Raw in England, William Regal somehow pulled off an upset and won the WWE title. Even if they give him like a short run until a pay per view, I you know I, I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to that. I, I've always liked Regal. I like what he does. I like how he talks. I just like everything he brings to the table. I mean, he's getting up there, but I, I think he could be an interesting choice uh, for WWE. I thought, yeah. I thought Regal could have been the champion when he was the general manager and he won the King of the Ring at the same time. I mean, he was the boss of Monday Night Raw. He won the King of the Ring, and usually when you win the King of the Ring, that usually catapults you to that next level to eventually get an opportunity to be a WWE champion. I thought it would have been the ultimate heel move if he's the boss, the king, and the champion. I mean, he would. He, he, I think it would have been a good, solid heel run for him, even if it was just for a couple of months, you know, um, as, as WWE champion. That was back in uh, 2008, I believe. That would have been cool. I mean, it definitely would have been a total heel move. It's interesting looking at this list because, you know, a few people said Kofi Kingston. I I don't know. I like Kofi a lot. I don't know if I see him as WWE champion. Um, and it's interesting. We talked about him a, a couple weeks ago. Like, where exactly are they going with Cody Rhodes? I think this guy, I mean, I think we both agree, you know, that there's he's got a great pedigree. And it seems like he's got greatness written all over him. But, you know, it's. 
Yeah, does he have to bust out and have like a, a Stone Cold, a, an Austin 316 kind of moment and do his own thing? Uh, you know, where exactly are they they going with, with Cody Rhodes right now? Because, you know, we talked about when he dropped the IC title to Big Show, we were in agreement on the show that Cody Rhodes, that that was a good thing. That Cody Rhodes was dropping that belt because they were getting ready to move him up. That that was that was one of those good title losses. That now it's time for Cody to move up into that main event status, and really is taking a step back. And you know, it's again when we talk about you know if I was going to bet the farm, I'm not betting on Cody Rhodes as much as I like what he brings to the table, and I think he he could be a good champion. I, I I'm again I don't know who I bet the farm on unless I'm going to go with the safe bet and say. For obvious reasons, I'm going to bet on Ryback. But uh, it's an interesting time right now. It's interesting looking at the WWE, and I, I think we're we're kind of in a state of transition. I mean, John Cena is is getting up there. Uh, you know, Punk is not a spring chicken either. You know, these guys that were staples, uh, you know, will will be transitioning out. There'll be a new crop. There's going to be a you want to call us the PG era, whatever era you want to call it, uh, we'll be inching out of this into a, a different era with, uh, you know, the next five years or so, there's going to be much different main eventers uh, going forward. So uh, I think it's very interesting because I don't know. I can't bet on anybody. Uh, when Johnson and, and Orton both came in, as soon as I saw the two of them, I was like, these two are going to be main eventing WrestleMania. There's no doubt in my mind these two are going to main event WrestleMania. Right now, to me, it's it's a crapshoot. Uh, Cesaro's incredibly talented, but again, I wonder what they're doing with him now. Uh, it's just kind of really up there. I It's interesting that, uh, and I, I kind of want to know what you think, Dave. Mike Lancaster's saying Drew McIntyre. I've always kind of been high on Drew McIntyre, and I kind of like what he can bring to the table. I I don't like the present incarnation of, of his character with 3MB. Um, again, a guy like I, I don't know what they're going to do with him in the future, but uh, I, I like all the gifts that Drew McIntyre has, Dave. Yeah, uh, three years ago when he when he was you know deemed the chosen one by Vince McMahon on television, you know I thought for sure he was going to be working main events and not necessarily winning the title, but maybe competing for the title or, or one of the two big championships and, and being in the mix. And he just seemed to have fallen off the face of the earth after after you know um, a, a few months later they they really pushed him hard and you know to the point where like. They did unconventional things with him with the Intercontinental title where, like, he would legitimately lose it, and then he would come out on TV with a handwritten letter by Mr. McMahon saying, oh, that title change doesn't count. you got to give me the belt back. I mean, stuff he'd never seen before. So I thought for sure that he was going to at least be a part of the main event picture, like, at this point in time, right, present day in his career. I don't like what he's doing with 3MB either. I think it's stupid. I think 3MB is a joke. I mean, I'm not. I mean, I know you need some comedic figures on the show, but I mean, I can't see Jinder Mahal as a rock and roll star. Maybe the other two, but not Jinder Mahal. But Drew McIntyre, they would have to do some serious rebuilding if they are going to be serious about making him a main event player and maybe going after the WWE title in a few years down the line. Um, I think they had the opportunity to a couple of years ago, but for whatever reason, they just decided not to do it. 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the future, I mean, it, it depends on how you want to look at it. If you want to look at it, the glass half empty, the future's bleak, and who knows which one of these guys will actually step up and be a main eventer. Uh, if you yeah, want to see the glass is half full, then the glass is half full, and uh, sky's the limit, and we're going to be left guessing as, as wrestling fans, and maybe it'll make for really exciting times. What are you going to say? You know, everyone talks about Dean Ambrose, and I think Dean Ambrose could eventually be the WWE champion. You know, he's got a mixture of, you know, Roddy Piper and Brian Pillman. You know, we've talked about him before, but a guy that a lot of people don't really look at and and I think could eventually someday, I'm not saying tomorrow, next year, two years, but someday because he's a young guy, I think Roman Reigns could eventually be the WWE champion. And the reason why I say that is because he reminds me a lot of what Batista was like in Evolution. He's got he's very soft spoken, he's got a good look, he's a big guy, he's kind of the muscle of the group. I could see him, you know, taking off on his own like if they were decide to ever to split up the shield, I think he'd be the first one to go. I think he's like I said he's he's got a good look to him. He's very soft spoken. Um, he's got that wrestling history, you know, in, in his in his blood. He's one of the Samoans, you know. I believe uh, he's he's brothers or cousins with I don't know. They're all related. Anyhow, he's he's one of those guys I think that could has good marketability. Maybe he change his look up just a little bit, but eventually, three, four, five years down the line, I think he could be a WWE champion. I couldn't agree with you more. In fact, if I was going to place like the, if I was in charge, I'd, I'd rank him ahead of Ambrose. I think he's got more uh, championship appeal, WWE championship appeal than, than Ambrose does. As talented as Ambrose is, I, I would go with uh, Roman Reigns. We actually had a great show tonight talking uh, WWE championship. We got uh, about three minutes left, so let's uh, quickly let's go through. The Ken Reedy Show, not of approval. And this is the portion of the show where we talk about something in the world of wrestling that made us just nod to ourselves because it worked. It just worked. And in the interest of going completely against everything the show has been about this evening, uh, my nod of approval is going to go to... TNA wrestler Chris Saban, welcome back to ACL Tears. Comes back in an X Division matchup. Uh, looked great. Didn't look like, you know, maybe slightly tentative, but who wouldn't be after tearing two ACLs? Uh, just great to see him back. Exciting performer. Looked healthy. So my nod goes to Chris Saban. And in the interest of consistency with the show, Dave, who gets your nod tonight? In the interest of consistency, we talked about this a little bit Tuesday night, um, but I'm going to give my nod to, uh, it's a collective nod to uh, John Cena, the WWE, and the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Um, it was a pretty cool segment Monday night. We kind of talked about it on Tuesday. And uh, to go on a minor soapbox here, there's a certain radio show out there that made discussion of this segment on their own show and talked about how this could be a possible PR stunt to make John Cena look good. Guys, I hate to burst your bubble, but this isn't the first company that does stuff like this. There's Major League Baseball, the NFL, the NBA. They all belong to charitable organizations, and they promote it on their own content, their own product. This is what the WWE does. This is what John Cena does. It was an awesome moment. It made three kids' dreams come true. 
true. If they die tomorrow, they die knowing that they just lived out their dream being a WWE superstar and meeting their hero, John Cena. WWE, John Cena, make a wish. You get my nod of approval this week. And there you have it. The Ken Reedy Show, Nod of Approval. And Dave, man, it's a good point. We got about a minute left, but I, I just think it's a passion of Cena's and good work by the WWE. I don't see anything with the Make a Wish as a publicity. It's good stuff, and that's why John Cena is the face of the WWE, and that's why he is the WWE champion. Thank you guys all for tuning in tonight and talking WWE Championship. Fun show tonight, Dave. Yeah, I, I love it. You know what? Let me throw it out there. You know, off the cuff, any of you listeners out there, you want to hear some more theme-type shows, greatest factions, greatest heel turns, greatest champ, intercontinental champions, you know, best pay-per-views, whatever, send it over to the Ken Reedy Show Facebook or the Ken Reedy Show website, and then maybe Ken and I, you know, in a month or two, we might do another show like this. I think this was awesome tonight. I'd love to do more of these. Yeah, it's a, it's a good time. Themed shows sound, sound good, and there's so many different things we could discuss and debate and what have you. So, uh, WWE Championship next Sunday again. It's Mother's Day, so we're going to be at 8 o'clock. Remember, May 31st, Kennedy Show sponsors Tap Out Cancer. Go check it out. Details on the com. For Dave, I'm Ken. Good night, everybody. <laughs>